All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 26 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Weissauer, STL KISS on the FAQ message board. And this week I am joined by, of course, Julian, the admin, Ken, 69th Blizzard, and Mark, Marcus Almighty. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Good. I'm good. So, 26 episodes, guys. That's six months worth of KISS FAQ podcasts. That's six months. That's longer than Axl Rose has married the Aaron Everly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's longer than Kim Kardashian was married to Chris Humphreys. Maybe wow. even maybe even combined. <laughs> so it's a real milestone. So it's really been a fun ride this far, and I know I've thoroughly enjoyed the shows, and not just the shows I've been on, but the shows I've gotten to listen to also. And personally, I just want to thank Julian not only for giving the Kiss FAQ message board posters a voice on this podcast, but for also taking the time to set up and record and post all these episodes. Well, I got to give a shout out to Tim because Tim way back when, when three sides was getting started, he said, Hey, look what three sides are doing. You know, he, he pointed, you know, towards that podcast. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then years later, Daniel comes in and says, you know, why don't we do it? And all of a sudden I'm receptive to the idea. So, you know, this, and I just like to give a shout out to Tim, uh, no longer on the board as much. Um, I think he lurks a little bit. Uh, but Daniel, for being the instigator who got this uh, whole thing started. So, Daniel? That's very cool. That was, gonna, that was actually going to be one of my questions to you here in a minute. Because you've said in the past that it wasn't your idea to do this. No. So, um, so you know, it may sound cliche, and you guys may not believe this, but at the first of the year, I made a promise to myself that I was going to make my own Kiss FAQ, my, not my own Kiss FAQ, but my own Kiss podcast in 2015, somehow, some way. And about the same time, Julian, you guys started the, the FAQ podcast around the first of the year. And I kind of latched onto this little production, and here we are six months later. So it's really cool. So thank you for doing it. And also thank you, Ken, and all the hosts, Ken and Mark, and, but also Alex, and Andrew, Nigel, Joel, Jay, Daniel, and Aline. And thank you for all the listeners every week. We really appreciate you guys listening and you guys commenting not only on the FAQ message board, but on YouTube as well. I I love reading all the comments and hearing <laughs> you guys' different perspectives, you know, and I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll comment back on you guys too to see what's what's going on. So I, you know, I've had a great time doing this the last six months and, you know, I hope you guys have had a good time listening as well and, I want to see how the show develops and, and continue to, to grow the show in the future. So. Awesome. Great. All right, guys. Well, today's topic is a continuation from episode 24, which was the Kiss Singles topic. We left off at Creatures of the Night, which was a good stopping point, considering it's the last makeup album. Kiss was entering a new era, so we're going to start part two of this episode tonight um so after creatures comes lick it up and 
Kiss Enders a New Direction with two singles off the album, Look It Up and All Hell's Breaking Loose. And they shoot two videos also. I mean, since 1983, MTV has really become a staple um, for the music business and for promoting albums and singles as well. So, um, Lick It Up is not one of my top albums. I've talked about that on other episodes before. Um, big success with, with, this, with the title track. Um, and All Hell's Breaking Loose is... I don't know. I could take I could take or leave All Hell's Breaking Loose personally. Person for my money, I would have taken um, a million to one as my second single off of "Lick It Up" because I'm getting a lot of positive feedback already, which is good. Which is which because the power ballad, and you're talking 1983, the power ballad was huge. And we've talked and we've talked before that there was a formula that bands followed with albums and how they promoted them with, you know, a, a rock single to start and then and then the power ballad to come afterwards. And personally, I think they they would have had a lot of success with that song. It, it's a great song. And when Paul played, played it live on the, uh, the Live the Wind tour, it sounded fantastic when it was played live. It was one of those songs you kind of think about, well, I wonder how it would interpret live with, with the chorus and that, but it really sounded fantastic when he did it on the Live the Wind tour. And I... I, if I was going to do two singles off of Lick It Up, I personally would have really gone with Lick It Up and A Million to One. Um, Ken, what do you think about the singles on Lick It Up? I have to agree with you. Nice. Lick It Up is a no-brainer. Uh, great song. So that's no problem. That's a, a simple one. And even though I do like All Hell's Breaking Loose, I do like it. Um, it's... It's not single worthy, I don't think, um, as a second single. So, A Million to One was my choice also. I think it's a great, great song. It, to me, it almost could have been the first single. It's pretty, uh, it's not a typical power ballad, but it's it's kind of an in-between. Mm-hmm. You know, pa- uh, ballad and uh, your uh, upbeat uh, song. So, it's a good well-written song and uh, I, I love it that's one of my favorites off the uh, album so I agree with you absolutely enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> right wait till we get the 1992 um, Mark what do you think about the singles on well, um, just like everybody else said I think Lick It Up is pretty much a no-brainer I mean that was a definite single right off the starting gate there um, I also agree with you guys that I think million to one should have been the second single as well i mean the formula that we talked about prior um would have benefited them greatly for this too if they would have went with the ballad second and even if they went with a possible third single it would have still been better to have million to one as the second one the only thing i have an issue with with these singles is that whose bright idea was it to put dance all over your face as a b-side for lick it up oh god (laughs) what a horrendous song to put on there but i mean I, I think they would have been better off of maybe putting like Exciter on the B side of you know Lick It Up, like keep it really rocking or something, you know. But I, I still think that Lick It Up is a great opening single to come out with. Um, and like I said, a million to one would have been my choice as well for a second single. I don't hate All Hell's Breaking Loose, but 
it, it, it's I, I would take it or leave it as well. I mean, it's not it's not really anything to write home to mom about. Maybe they were just giving Eric a bone since they don't have anything with him singing on it. Maybe just put something there that he actually wrote and, you know, let him have a little bit of a, you know, writing credit for once, right? So, but uh, yeah, I, that's that's my only thing. I mean, Young and Wasted is the B-side, ironically, on all, all Hell's Breaking Loose, which I think he ends up singing live, I think, Eric, right? So that's kind of ironic. Um, but uh, yeah, so... I actually was, would have thought it would have been better to flip that, put Young and Wasted and put All's Hells Break Loose on the B-side. I would have liked that better, probably, but eh, that's just my opinion, right? So, Speaking of All Hells Breaking Loose, I was on uh, Kiss Cruise 2, and you know they're doing the, that acoustic set, and they're just kind of screwing around a little bit in between songs. At one point, Paul Stanley like, does like a little bit of first part of the rap intro to All Hell's Breaking Loose and I started singing it and the people around me are like, even the people around me on the Kiss Cruise like, what are you talking? What are you even saying? And people didn't even, even people on the cruise didn't even recognize it. It's pretty funny. Not popular, eh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Julie, what about you? Look it up. I have a real problem with Look It Up as the uh, the single. And I don't know whether it's because it was a bomb and this is, you know, revisionist history to a certain extent um but when you looked at bands like motley crew who are putting you know looks at kill followed by too young to fall in love so you had a bit of a rocker and then you had a bit of again the power ballad you had had kind of all of that coming together in the 80s i mean dalkin uh, just got lucky alone again um, for a tooth and nail, though that's '84. But you know, same same kind of era, and I can't think of what Twisted Sister was doing at the time. Um, I, I just don't see "Lick It Up" as being enough of a single to really take advantage of the unmasking. It wasn't that different. It wasn't that interesting. It wasn't that stunning. I would have gone with "Exciter," um, you know, something high octane off the album, um, and maybe "Lick It Up" as the B side. I mean, it. The single was a dud, 66 on the Billboard. Um, you know, I think it did marginally better elsewhere. Oh yeah, 24 in Switzerland. Go Switzerland. Um, you know, so it, it really didn't do much. So it, it's easy to revise it after the fact. And of course, I wasn't a fan at the time, so I really can't, you know, fit into that thing. I was sitting there listening to Pyromania in '83 and Duran Duran. So I'm probably not a very good uh, character witness for Kiss at that time. Um, Second single, I mean, they would have known that that had not worked. Why on earth did they do All Hell's Breaking Loose? Again, if they went with Lick It Up and they saw the reaction that it got, they knew they were on the wrong track, that they weren't getting enough publicity out of the unmasking, that they needed to do something highly visual. And both of those videos, um, I mean, who's the director? M Marty, uh, whatever, um, Marty. Um <laughs> You know, they, they, were, they were pretty substandard. They weren't visually attacking. I mean, if you look at the Creatures video, the year before I Love It Loud, that's a highly visual video that the band did. They just did something, you know, everyone else was doing. There was nothing different. So, second single, I, I got to agree with a million to one, the power ballad. Go that route. Um, when Paul did that in San Francisco, I mean, we already knew that it was coming. I got weak in the knees. I was like, holy shit. He, he you know, he, he's doing it tonight. He hasn't changed the set list. Uh, thank you, Paul. And wow, just a fantastic. But I, I think the B-side selection for the U.S. singles sucked. 
Um, at least in Europe, you had Not for the Innocent as the B-sides of Lick It Up. So, you know, that's that I think is a better song. It's more gritty and, and you know, more you'd expect for Kiss. You know, it's gutter rock. Um, I think for a B-side for a million to one, I would go with On the Eighth Day. You know, something out of left field. Something like, let Vinny wank all over his fretboard. <laughs> you know, it, it may have resonated. But their their choices in the U.S. Uh, did not. Did you did you say that the Not for the Innocent was uh, the B side in Europe? You said in England at least it was. Because I have a forty five, I'll lick it up, and for some reason mine had Not for the Innocent on the B side. That's why I was always wondering. I, obviously, it wasn't a Canadian forty five. So well, if you go to the Kiss Epic, I mean Kiss Monster, <laughs> the discography. I mean, I, I've forgotten all this stuff with uh, you know. Having having gotten rid of all my singles, so I can't remember what they had in what country. But I know Exciter was in one in one country, so there were better choices elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right, let's move on to Analyze. Two singles off of that one as well. Heaven's on Fire with the B-side of Lonely is the Hunter. Oh. And <laughs> Thrills in the Night with the B-side of Burn, Bitch, Burn. Oh, my um, God. We're starting to see a trend here with um, all Paul Stanley's tunes, um, because Gene's Gene's mind, Gene's head is elsewhere at this point. <laughs> That's a discussion for another show, but it, it's really Paul Stanley at this point. It's Paul's really taking the band by the horns at this point, and Heaven's on Fire, great single, great track. Absolutely love it. One of my favorite Kiss songs, especially especially from this period. Maybe one of my favorite Kiss songs overall too. Um, Thrills in the night. It's okay. I don't have I don't have issues with it. Um, personally, I I really like. I've had enough into the fire. It's, it's really just guitar driven. You can really feel Mark St. John's presence um, on that tune, with, especially with what was that was popular at the time in 1984 when that came out. Um, you, can, you can really hear the, the 80s guitar presence on, especially on that song, how it opens up the guitar solo. Um, so I would have really gone with Heaven's on Fire and I've Had Enough Into the Fire. Um, it's, my, it's my two singles instead of Thrills in the Night. I like Thrills in the Night, though. I would have thrown it on a B-side instead of maybe Lonely as the Hunter. But... Um, <laughs> Personally, that's my thoughts on there. Two videos for the, for the uh, album as well, with two respected singles. So, um, Mark, what do you think about Analyze's single selection? Well, once again, I think the first single was a no-brainer, obviously. I think that they knew Heaven's on Fire was going to be the strong single right from the get-go. I think pretty much when they were done mixing that record, they pretty much knew already that was going to be the single. Um, Thrills in the Night... It's it's okay. I I don't mind it, but I agree with you. I think I've had enough into the fire being a much better second single or an A side, much more grabbier, more more catchier for a for a single. I mean, isn't that what you want? Don't you want to like catch people's attention? I just kind of thought that Thrills in the Night was a little too laid back, mid tempoed, and I don't know. It just it, I found it a bit dull. I mean, they could have went with such more exciting a song like into the into the fire there but uh i again i have real issue with these b-sides i mean 
what genius decided Burn Bitch Burn should be a B-side? I mean, oh my god. I mean, the worst song, a worst B-side you could not have picked. The same with Lonely as the Hunter has got to be another pile of dribble. I mean, it's just unbelievable, these B-sides. I mean, looking back at the the track listing, though, I mean, really, they didn't have too much more <laughs> to put for B-sides, I'm guessing. But, Shot at him the last amount of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, I mean, uh, it, honestly, let's, let's call it a spade a spade. I mean, uh, uh, Heaven's on Fire, and I've had an effort of two probably strongest songs on the record. I mean, uh, Get What You Can Take could have been a good single if, they, if he wouldn't have, you know, dropped his F-bomb in the lyrics, because, I mean, I'm sure that's what they said. Okay, sorry, we can't use that now when, when you did that, right? But but uh, that's the only other song I could have seen that had some sort of legs, maybe, that could have been a single. So, But like I said, um, Heaven's on Fire gets a thumbs up. Uh, Thrills in the Night, eh, I could take it or leave it. I still think I've had enough would have been a much better second single. Julian, what about you for? Yeah, I pretty much agree with Mark. You know, Heaven's on Fire is the obvious. You know, can't change it. But who picked those B sides? I'd say Paul Stanley picked those B sides. And here's, here's, <laughs> Gene. This is what you get. You know, when you're not around, I'm going to put your crappy songs on the B sides of my singles. So, if you want to have anything to say, Gene, get your ass back into the band and uh, contribute. So. I think he was being punished because Lonely as the Hunter is one of the worst songs in the catalog. I mean, it's not quite up there with Read My Body or Nothing Can Keep Me From Puking On You, but it's um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty dire. Second single, you know, Thrills in the Night, I've never been a fan of the song, so, you know, I, I would just never have said to have done that. But I see where they were going. Again, it's the formula of something a little bit. You go with the rocker and then you go with the not rocker. Um, I, I would have gone for the one-two punch and just gone under the gun or, you know, even I've had enough. You know, the up-tempo songs on that album and their Paul songs are better than everything else. Besides, I would have picked the better Gene songs. I mean, While the City Sleeps is a better song than Lonely is the Hunter. Um, you know, Burn Bitch Burn. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, they were performed in concert early on in the, in the tour, but, you know, the Animalize is a tough creature. It's there's not a lot to choose from on there. Um, it's it's an album that's not dated well for me. So, um, you know, I agree. With what Mark said. There you go. Yeah. Ken, what about you? Well, Heaven's on Fire is like the third leadoff single in a row that pretty much doesn't have a guitar solo in it. Um, it makes sense, but uh, really not much of. Uh, I love a loud had a very sh- mini nothing guitar solo, and uh, I don't think Heaven's on Fire um, had it either, um, or Lick It Up. Obviously, it just had the middle part. Um, it was just interesting to me. I don't know why um, they excluded guitar solos in some of those songs, but um, the song Heaven's on Fire, perfect song, great song. Um, no problem with it. Thrills in the Night, I'm going to disagree with all you. I like Thrills in the Night as mm. the second single. I think it's a, a, a great song. Um, I always liked it. So the other thing with B-Sides, I think B-Sides, and I said this in the, in the prior episode, episode um, that I think the intention for B-Sides pretty much is a 
are throwaways. Um, <clears throat> except back in the old days when they did have only singles before albums came, they did a lot of singles uh, back in the day, and then they would put their best songs on those singles, and sometimes you get double hits, right? A hit on one side and the other. Um, but later on, once the albums came along, they started, you started putting the, the bad song on the B-side because you wanted to uh, free up for more singles down the road and not use up your, your good song um, on the B-side. So I think that's why we're seeing these <laughs> choices on, on side B. Um, so, but anyway, I, I do agree with these choices of these two songs. Although I do like I had enough you know, into the fire. Uh, that's a great song, but I, I don't know if I would have released that as a single. That's a good point you bring up too about the guitar solos not being present. Um, on I Love It Loud, Look It Up, Heaven's Empire, especially with Van Halen doing what they were doing at the time, being such a guitar-driven band, and Kiss is releasing singles that don't even have guitar solos on them as their lead singles for their new albums. And, and weren't they weren't they also supposed to be kind of like pushing their new guitar players, saying how fantastic they are, and they released a single with no guitar solo on it? Like, gee, showing real confidence in your guitar players there if you're doing that, you know? You couldn't play that slow. <laughs> yeah, but they like, did, maybe maybe they didn't have confidence from him from day one. So, you know, but that that was a really good that was a really good point Ken made going back in history that a lot of the B sides were often non-album B sides, and you know, here here, lonely is the hunter and burn bitch burn would be great non-album B sides. <laughs> Gene could put Gene could put some quality material on there instead and just have those as the throwaways. I think that was called double A sides back in the day. You were talking about when they had the two mm. strong ones there. It was a double A side. Right. right. Good point. Well, Julian, I'm going to let you lead things off here with Asylum. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> for just the, just the one single with three videos. For yeah, and, and, that, and that's my problem. You, you know, they only put Tears Are Falling, which is perfection. If you only get to do one single from that album... You might as well do the ultimate Paul Stanley power ballad of the 1980s. Um, I'm sorry, it's a really good song. I love it. Is it as good as Who Wants to Be Lonely? No, but it's really good. So I, I have a problem. This is when I got into the band. So all of these all of these videos on MTV, I, I would say, would make great freaking singles because those are the ones that resonate with me the most um, for the beginning of my journey with the band. So... Can I replace Tears Are Falling? No. Easy. But would I like to sing Who Wants to Be Lonely and uh, All Night as singles? Hell yeah. Oh, what, a, what a crime, though, having one single. Like, this is by far my favorite unmasked Kiss record, hands down. Like, I love this song. Like <laughs> yeah. the Julian. The check's in the post. You know? but, but, but one single, really? Like, what? what? What were they thinking? One single, like. Yeah, and I, you know, I gotta agree with you. I never understood why is this album neglected at the time. They go on tour and they put what five songs from this album into the set. They yeah. only do the one single. They do the videos, but they never follow it up. They a couple. Uh, the second single came out in I think Spain, um, Japan. If I'm, I might be wrong on there, but you know, in very few markets did the second single come out. 
And in a lot of other markets, Heavens on Fire Live was the B-side to Tears Are Falling. So in in the States, you you know, I can't even remember what is on the B-side. What, any way you slice it? Anyway, you think? Slice. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a very, very, again, it's a very poor choice of a B-side, um, apart from it being a throwaway. And But for anyone who flipped it over, who hadn't bought the album, they're like, holy shit. What's the rest of the album like if this is, uh, you know, Gene's contribution again? You know, so it, it's not doing Gene any favors or selling the album. So, you know, poor B-side choice, regardless of the logic that goes into picking the B-side in 1985. Mm-hmm. Ken, what do you think about Asylum and the, the one single? Asylum? I should have had a different uh, album cover, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's my... Well, Least favorite uh, album cover, I tell you. Anyway, um, uh, I yeah, Tears Are Fallen, great, great, no bra- another no brainer. Yeah. Um, the thing is, with um, at this time, I don't know if this is a reason that they didn't go with a second single. Is I think back then they were most of the CDs was a newer thing at the time, so vinyl was starting to go away, right? And uh, maybe you'd have some CD singles around that time, or uh, I think so. Um, but they were manufacturing these things back in Germany. I mean, there was no real U.S. plants at the time, so That's the, right. the first, all the first CDs were coming out of Germany, I believe, and then Japan. Um, and uh, so they were, and that was one of the reasons they say, "Well, we're charging you all this money, this nineteen or twenty-one bucks." Uh, an album because uh, well we don't have plants here in the U.S. Uh, they said we'll lower the price when we, once we start making having plants and you know that was a lie they didn't really lower the price much um, but um, that may be one of the reasons they only did one single they they you know I I can't find a reason why they wouldn't do a second single on a either a CD or vinyl um, but still. I know vinyl was going away. Cassettes were going away. Yeah, but singles were just starting to take off. You know that that had become a format. And look, um, just two examples. I know there, you know, obviously albums that have sold way more than most of the Kiss catalog combined. But Def Leppard Hysteria, seven vinyl singles, basically in the U.S. Um, and Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. You know, that's a ton. Motley Crue, smoke, um, what was it? Smoking in the Boys' Room, Home Sweet Home, and I think there was one other off Theater of Pain, so that's an 85 album. Um, so who who knows? There, there must have been some other reason, I think, other than um, the economics of the dynamics. It could have been the record company. Yeah, hating the band. Yeah, that could have been it. <laughs> I think economics of the band at that point plays a, plays a large role into into not being any more singles than than just the one. Even yeah. though they did cut, even though they did cut the cut more videos, but you know, just investing money. Yeah, but they they filmed a couple of those videos at the same time, so it was like a two for one deal. You know, mm-hmm. I think that was David Mallet on those ones in London. Um but Reed Kiss and Cell, basically mid eighties. Yeah, and the latter part of the eighties, Kiss is fucked. So no singles. Struggle to get the album. Don Johnson calls and wants his costume back from Paul. <laughs> Mark, any thoughts on, on Asylum? Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, this is my favorite unmasked record by Kiss, and I, I would have been screaming bloody murder for more singles if I was involved at this 
organization. I mean, not not putting out Who Wants to Be Lonely is a crime. I mean, King of the Mountain, such a great song too. That could have been a great B side. I mean, but better than any way you slice it. Give me a break. Uh, 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 what's that? Uh, all night, right? That's the correct pronunciation of that. Uh, all night. Uh, even that is not a bad song. I mean, as ridiculous as the lyrics are, and that I mean, that's a pretty catchy song when you think about it. I mean, like, I mean, I'm just looking at the track listing, and I mean, really, even even Gene's songs are bearable to some extent on this record. Much better than the ones on Asylum. I mean, sorry, Animalize. Sorry, and uh, yeah, I I really like this record. I mean. I think also another factor on this is that it's not a very long record. It's only like 38 minutes long. I mean, you put it on and it's done before you know it. it there's no dragging along on this record. It, it comes and it goes and it's done. But, you know, Tears Are Falling, great song. I mean, I think it's probably one of those songs from the 80s that most people probably remember hearing and probably remember from their catalog. And I think a lot of people, I mean... I even remember in high school, that's the song that even you know, all the girls in high school used to dig from Kiss, you know? So I think it was a good selection as a single. Again, the B-side I have issue with, but what else is new? And, uh, you know, I just, my only problem with this is that there wasn't any more songs released for singles off this record. But, you know, we just went through all why that could have possibly happened. But, you know, I, I have no problem with that single. I mean... You know, if I would have if I would have had a second one, I would have probably used King of the Mountain. That's a great song, you know, and use it with Who Wants to Be Lonely. Put Who Wants to Be Lonely A side, King of the Mountain B side. That'd be another great single right there. So, but yeah, that's. I think that uh, I have nothing ill to say about this record or its singles. Yeah, um, Tears Are Falling was huge on MTV at the time too. Yeah. Absolutely huge. That and. Home Sweet Home were just back and forth as number one and number two videos for the longest time. And when they, when Kiss played Tears Are Falling in Vegas this fall, and I got to see him play that live for the first time ever, I was just ecstatic. And, you know, even at the end of the song, Paul Stanley comes out to the middle of the stage and starts doing the thing with the, the windshield across <laughs> the eye. And I look at my wife and I do the same thing. She's like, what are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> I go, no, no, that's the thing. <laughs> so yeah um i'm with you guys who wants to be lonely would be a great second single it's a great video it's a great song but you know i think a lot of the economics of the record company and what the record company thought of the band um comes in comes into play right here and it's it's 80s kiss and it it is what it is to a certain extent so um so we come back with Crazy Nights with three singles, three videos. Crazy Nights with a B-side of No, No, No. Reason to Live with a B-side of Thief in the Night. And Turn On the Night with a B-side of Hell or High Water. Ugh. Oh, man. On, on the B-side, huh? I, I think we're we're really on to Ken's formula of B sides being throwaways by this point. <laughs> um, it's it's really it's really the crap left over, I think, in my opinion. But um, crazy crazy nights, and I mean we can talk about the production on 
on crazy nights and how we're chasing, we're really chasing trends with, um, want to be Bon Jovi at this point. Um, and we, we talked about that to a certain extent last week with the, with the bandwagon jumping, but crazy, crazy nights. Good song. Really big hit in the UK. Not as much here. That doesn't, that, that's really not saying a lot. <laughs> really, really big hit in the UK. There you go. Um, Reason to Live, following the pattern um, that has really been set in stone at this point of, of the ballad called Follow Up Single. Woohoo, bigger, the hit, bigger hit than Crazy Nights. <laughs> and, and Turn On the Night. Um, okay. I'm not, if, if, I, if it was me, I would scratch Turn On the Night and I would use Fight Hell to Hold You as the third single. Um, off that off that album. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and and, and now for something completely different. <laughs> All right. What I'm looking for is anyway. <laughs> I want to use "Fight Hell" the whole do as my third single instead of "Turn On the Night." When I first bought this is awesome. When I first bought the album, and "Crazy Crazy Nights" wasn't one of the first albums that I went and bought. I was like seven or eight when Crazy Nights came out, so it's not one of the albums that I bought like the day it came out or anything like that, even though I was a fan of the band and, you know, wanted to know as much as I could about the band. Um, when I listened to Crazy Nights, I really thought that, oh, Fight Hell the Holy, that's, that's got to be a single off that album, and I was really shocked when I went back and, and found out that it wasn't a single off that album, because I really enjoyed that a lot more than, than Turn On The Night. That would have been my choice the third single. Um, so I would have gone with Crazy Crazy Nights, Reason To Live, and Fight hold the whole do, and the B sides, you know, at this point are really you're, you're really just your throwaways at this point, and you know, like, you know, Paul punishing Gene with the crap that he's turning. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, what do you think about Crazy Crazy Nights? I agree with their singles, Crazy Nights, Reason to Live, Turn on the Night. I agree with them. B sides again, we know that story. Um. The thing is, uh, it's the production of this stuff, and Chasing uh, Bon Jovi, Chasing Heart. Uh, I think Chasing Heart, Reason to Live is Chasing Heart. Um, I, I believe Ron Nevison also produced yep. Heart, right? So, Correct. yeah, so it's, you know, this is an album that needs to be remixed. Remade. Know? Remixed and remastered. Turn up the guitars, turn off the keyboards, and, and see what comes out. So, uh, but I agree with their singles. Um, those are all good songs in my book, and I have no problem with it. So that's where I stand on Crazy Nights. That's cool too. Um, Julian, what about you? You know, as much as I would like to say they're poor choices, I think they're perfect choices from the album. You know, Crazy Crazy Nights, the lead-off track, made sense. Um, Reason to Live, also known as I Want to Know What Love Is, by Foreigner, um, had, had already been a hit, so um, it, it, it's, it's actually one of my favorite Kiss songs um, from the 80s. Uh, I, I do really dig it, as much as I hate the album, and as much as the album nearly made me not a Kiss fan. you got got to remember, becoming a, a fan in December 85... Or really becoming a fan then, and then buying this piece of shit. Um, 
it it really is it's tough to pick any song on there that would uh you know make it more successful because it, there's a reason it wasn't successful so reason to live is a good beat uh, is a good uh, second single and i think turn on the night again it's, it's a good kind of rocking song you know it, it's a little bit nondescript and yeah they're, they're, i i agree with the case for i'll fight hell to hold you um you know i, I guess anything's you know that would have broken some glass windows because again it's got paul going into the stratosphere a bit with his vocals so i don't see that being very radio friendly how do you compress those freaking vocals down so people's heads don't explode? But I guess anything's anything's better than releasing my way as a single. <laughs> so yeah, all good stuff. B sides, yeah, whatever. On right. that, the, point, you know, there's, are... there's just there's just nothing really good to pick. Yeah. Mark, what about you? Well, I think I'm gonna be the third one in a row here to agree that I think these are all proper singles from this album. Um, Crazy Crazy Nights, I think, is a no-brainer. It's probably the strongest song off the record. It's screaming for to be a single. I mean, I think they already pretty much wrote it with the intention of it being a single. Um, Reason to Live is the obvious second single, the ballad. You know, and Ron Nevison is very good at doing these kind of syrupy sort of ballads and it's right up his alley, so he did a good job with it. But, you know, it's not my favorite song off the record by any stretch, but it's, you know, it's a good single. It, it probably was good for what it was trying to do to catch another, you know, bit of the market. The females, the, the you know, the, the housewives and stuff like that would probably like it on the radio listening to it. And to be honest, Turn On The Night is a guilty pleasure of mine, and I'll tell you why if you let me humor you for a second here. I never used to like the song when it first came out, but about five or six years ago, I went to the very first, well, my very first NAMM show in California. It was a big thing for me. I was going there. I had a guitar endorsement with Jackson Guitars, and I was going there for my first time to check out the convention, and I rented a car, and I had a convertible Mustang. I put down the top. I turned on satellite radio, and that was the first song that I heard on the station was turn on the night and something about that song now gives me such a great memory of driving down the highway at night listening to that song cranked in that car i i can i know people will say it's a it's a cheesy song but this song will forever put a smile on my face just because of that i mean i was it, it, it gave me such a great memory just whenever i hear this song now i just think of california and driving down you know in Winter, in the Canadian winter time, like January, it was freezing here. And when landing in California, it was nice and warm and top-down shorts on. And it was just, you know, it, it just brings back so many positive memories for me for this song. So, you know, I, I'm almost, you know, I almost thought about it. If they would have put No, No, No on instead when that first happened, God, maybe that would have happened with that song. But I'm really glad it didn't because... I really hate that song, but uh, no, no, no's praises right now. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad it's, that, that was that song and not no, no, no. But but yeah, that's you know I, I I agree. They were all. I think they knew what they were doing. The, the record company, I think, for once was maybe trying to actually push this album by putting out three singles. I mean, they they've got a big producer at the time for them, so I think they were probably trying to give them a bit of a chance at this you know, juncture since they, you know, they actually waited a whole year. It was, I think what 86 was the one year they didn't release an album. Yep. So they actually, 
you know, took a chance and, you know, went out and got a big producer. And, you know, I, I think they didn't do really anything wrong, apart from the fact that the production is very dated for that year. The production sounded good for that time, but, you know, I don't think that if they would have known that 10 years from now, people would have looked at it and said, wow, what a terrible production. Maybe they would have done something different. But at the time, it suited what was at the moment. So, you know, I, I think that's the explanation for why they released what they did and why it sounds what how it sounded. So, Yeah, I mean, it was for what was popular at the time. Well, they released that in 87. They come back in 88 with two singles off of the greatest hits album. And Appetite for Destruction is like peaking in 1988. And they come out with two singles that are the biggest pile of shit in their catalog, in my opinion. You know, and I'm going to sit here and I praise Kiss on this thing all day long, how much I'm a sucker at by anything they put out. But in my opinion, you know, you got Appetite for Destruction, like, peaking at this in 1988. And people going crazy over over Axel and Slash and the gang. And you and you get on MTV and you're singing Let's Put the X in Sex and doing your little dance and it just looks ridiculous. Yeah. And then you look even more ridiculous in the, in the uh, Rock Hard video. But. Oh, Jesus Christ almighty. <laughs> Bloody hellfire. Um, I don't know how much we need to go into to this unless one of you just says, no, no, Rock Hard is a great song. It's in my top five or anything like that. I doubt that'll happen. No, you know, is there anything we can really say about this album other than they probably should have done Strutter and Shout It Out Loud again uh, as singles since they'd already had several outings with those? They should have just used those pieces of crap as the throwaways on the B-side. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I really despise this record. I didn't, I didn't like the remixing of the, the songs that they did, like going back into the old songs and remix. I just... Ugh. The reverb they put on was just dreadful. Like, God. My problem is it's the top-selling Kiss album of the Unmasked era. And everything it represents from the packaging, the back cover, to the front cover, to the new songs, to the remixes, to the fucking hole in the record, (laughs) is wrong. So, and, you know, know, God bless him and, you know, rest in peace, Eric. Beth, you know, that's just everything that's wrong with this record. So. But I think I think Columbia House had a lot to do with that. I mean, uh, I, I I read that somewhere, and I actually kind of believe it because when I was when I was living back in, a, in my old place, like years and years ago, Columbia House was the big thing. This was back back a long time ago, and I used to remember seeing you know Smashes Thrashes being the selection of the month a few times, and you know how people are—they never return these things, so they just keep getting them sent. People never return them back, so they count them as a sale, right? And I think that that got really juiced because of Columbia House. That's just my conspiracy theory on it, but that's what I think happened. God, I hope so. I wrote notes. I wrote notes next to my those two songs, and my notes were no and no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's all I wrote. No. You'll, you'll get the mood, Ken. You're, you're, not, you're not sitting around one night. You're not driving around. So, you know what? I really need to hear. Let's put the X in sex right now. That, that really would help yeah. me up. Shit. It, it should have been the sex appella mix anyway. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, Torture. Say what you want about Smashes, Rises, and Hitch in the production. Well, well, quick story about Smashes, Rises, and Hitch. 
Um, I saw the Kiss Def Leppard show in St. Louis last summer um, with a buddy of mine and his wife. And we walked back to the car, and we rode together. We, I get in their car with them. And they're playing the radio station, local radio station in town, KC95, is playing um, just a lot of Kiss and Def Leppard after the show is over for your drive home from the concert. And um, they start playing Deuce. And my buddy and I look at each other, which version of Deuce is this? Which which album, which which version is this? You know, it's a studio track, obviously. We're like, which version? And we both agreed that it was Smash and Thrash and Hits version of Deuce. We had... We each had our three or four reasons why it was the Smash and Thrashes and Hits version of Deuce. And as we're discussing it, my buddy's wife says, all right, that's enough. Stop it, both of you. You are dorks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, that's my story for Smash and Thrashes. So, th- so that's, that's how you evade answering the question, right? Well, I, I started out and I said no, <laughs> that they're awful tracks but as soon as you want about smash or smash them hit so too it did sell well julian you're right it did sell well and it, it was all the classic tunes on there and because it sold well i think is one of the reasons why on the hot in the shade tour we got a lot of classic kiss songs back into the set list and they stopped really pumping and pumping and pumping the flick it up analyze and asylum tunes in there that they said you know what well, well maybe there is something with our, our past catalog that we've been basically ignoring over the last few tours so as lo- as much as i don't like the production on smash stress and hits as much as i don't like the two singles you release off of there the one good thing to come out of, of that uh, of that great hits album is that it did bring and i think it's a big reason why um a lot of those classic tunes were resurrected in the hot and shake tour Agreed. So, speaking of Hot in the Shade, we get three singles off of there also. Hide Your Heart with Betrayed, Forever with The Street Giveth, and Rise to It with Silver Spoon. Um, three videos as well, MTV. Um, videos are just as important as the single release itself at this point. By 89 when Hot in the Shade is released. Hide Your Heart, uh, obviously we all know that it's a uh, leftover from Crazy Nights, and great song, really one of my favorite songs out of the 80s from Kiss, it was really great to hear them play it on tour this last summer with Def Leppard, um, they were they, they're playing that song and uh, build set list, and I went to the show in Chicago, my wife went to the show with me in Chicago, and they're playing that, and a lot of the people around us didn't know Hide Your Heart. And, uh, you know, there's Def Leppard fans, there's Kiss fans that are just there, it's Kiss, and they're not maybe as hardcore. And I was singing along to Hide Your Heart, and they get done playing that, and I look at her, and I go, we could go now after hearing that song live. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. But I really like, so obviously I really like Hide Your Heart. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite tracks out of the era. Um, forever. I, great song, obviously was their biggest hit of the 80s, uh, number s- number seven, I think, on the charts, and just just a just a great song, and I know a lot of fans have used it as, like, their wedding song, even, it just resonates with a lot of people, it's just a great song, and and Rise to It, well, you have, like, the, uh, the beginning of it is very uh, similar to 
Cinderella's bad scene was just blues with the acoustic guitar starting it out. Um, it's a great song. It's it's a good song also. And for my for for me, I I, I don't know what other three songs you would choose as as singles off a of hot in shape because I think after that it, it, it really kind of goes it goes downhill in a hurry after those three songs um, so I'm fine with the three singles that they chose off of there um, two of the three songs I really really like with Hydra Heart and Forever so I'm, I'm totally good with, with, their, with their selections um, Ken what about you? Find Your Heart I don't know if they should have really I mean, well, it's a great song. They maybe should have. Uh, it was it Ace Frehley did it and same I day. Think, yeah, both Bonnie, same day. Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. Want to say right? Yep. Okay. And Molly Hatchet. I remember it. Okay. And Molly so, Hatchet too. Molly Hatchet, right? So uh, you know, it's kind of oversaturating that song into the market. So I, I don't know if that's a good or or bad decision, but I mean, it's a obvious choice. A great song. Good song, forever for the second song, is another, you know, perfect written power ballad um, by Paul. Now, rise to it. I don't know if I would have went with that. I would have went with something different. <laughs> Throw a Gene song in there. For me, I would have went with Cadillac Dreams. Uh, I kind of like that song, um, uh, but that's the only difference I would have, I guess. Otherwise. Um, but the, the uh, um, you know, hide your heart. I just don't know if that was the right thing to do. <laughs> Release it with all these other songs at the same time. All right. That's fair enough, though. I mean, yeah, um, Pat and the Shade came out the same day that The Trouble Walking came out. And they both had hide your heart on the albums, which is... So everyone's <laughs> kind of, comparing kind of, kind of them. bizarre, to say the least. the arrangement of them. <laughs> Julian, what about you for, for Hot You know, I'm not a fan of Hide Your Heart, though. Obviously, Vegas, it was a great experience to get that one live. Um, I I think I would have shied away from that, knowing that everyone and their dog was releasing the song. What it basically did was the oversaturation took what would have been a great song and totally killed it for every single act that was you know recording it. So... I mean, obviously, they didn't all release it as a single, but I think it it devalued it to the point where they probably should have, you know, gone with Rise to It first. Um, I think Rise to It is a great rock song. I, I don't think it has the blues intro on it on the full power guitar mix or whatever the hell they call that. Um, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I would have gone with that first instead of Hide Your Heart and, and just Forever You Can't Change. I mean, it was it was actually number eight on Billboard, um, so a massive hit for the band at a time where no one gave a damn. But it didn't translate into album sales. So for single number three, I think read my read my body. You you really have to release that as a single because it is by far the best song the band has ever recorded. And have another beer. <laughs> nah, no. <laughs> You know, and no one's that stupid. Um, you know, I, I would actually have gone with, you know, I don't know, a Gene song. I, th I think he's re starting to re rehabilitate himself in the hits era. So maybe you could have thrown him a bone and given him a, an A-side. But I just don't really know what you'd freaking well choose. You know, loves a slap in the face, maybe. Or prisoner, prisoner of love, you know. 
Um, just don't use hide my heart or hide your heart. Yeah, hide something. Don't so, hide yeah, just maybe, anything but. Maybe read my body would have worked better if they changed it to uh, read my fact post. My kiss fact post. No? Okay. Or not. <laughs> or not. Mark, what about you for uh, hot shape? Uh, well, this is, you know, we go from a record that I really liked, like Asylum, to this record, which is, to me, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's because of all the times I've read stuff about this album. I, I, I can't hear this as anything more than a bunch of demos slapped together and released as an album, you know? I mean, the the production of this is so flat. I mean, honest to God, I think I could have mixed it better. I swear to God. I mean, you know, it's... The songs on it, are for some some of them are actually pretty good. I mean, I, I do like Rise to It. I do like Hide Your Heart. I think Forever is actually my favorite Kiss ballad that they've ever done. I think it's great. I think I think of, of anything, that, that song has Eric Carr stamped all over. His drumming is the thing that really stands out, I think, on that song. Ironically enough, um, in, in Forever, I really love the way he drums on that song. That's, that's one of those songs that when they play it with Eric Singer, they do it great, but he doesn't have the same gusto that Eric Carr had with that song. Except isn't it, uh, isn't it Eric Singer who played on the demo? Uh, and Eric Carr just played it played it over. Uh-oh. Oh, did he really? I, I'm not going to surf oh, the don't, internet. Don't question the boss. That sounds like something I read. <laughs> it, it sounds familiar. Um Really? Yeah, which which might be a mind blowing well, thing for you. It, it, that, that, that's ironic though, because if you watch when I was watching him do it like on a live three and all the revenge era stuff, when Eric Singer's playing it, he, he doesn't play it anywhere near as well as the studio version. So I don't know. I mean, it's I find he plays it too pedestrian live. You know, I don't know. But uh, the song is good. I really do like that. Um, why they didn't use Vinnie Ponzi as a producer? I mean, he's on like about four or five of these songs as a co-writer with them. Why not just have him come in and you know produce it? I mean, it probably would have sounded a hell of a lot better. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm sure it wouldn't have sounded like Dynasty again. So, but I'm sure it would have sounded better than the production that they had, you know, on that record. But um, you know, Rise to It I think is a is a okay third third single i mean I, like i said i like the song but i i agree i think gene should have probably been given a song um believe it or not i, I actually do like betrayed maybe i would have even selected that as his single for the third one i mean it's, it's not not horrendous but it's it's not too bad i mean like you said i think he's starting to see the light at this point and slowly drifting his way back into the fold so i would have maybe given him a, a shot at something at that point, but yeah, I mean, Hide Your Heart, like you said, everybody released that song. It seemed to be the big popular song at the time, but, uh, you know, um, it's not a bad song. It's not a great song in my eyes. I, I think they should have put something else first and put that out later. I agree with Julian on that. So, but um, yeah, I, I, I just have a problem with the production of this record and consequently the production of the singles because they're obviously off the record so um yeah that's that's my three cents on that that's cool I, and then, and then and i say this all the time it's one of the great things about being a kiss fan is that we all have different opinions and 
we're all fans of different eras and, and different styles. But we're all Kiss fans at the end of the day. So we all have different opinions. Yeah. We'll things about it. So. Well, Julian and Mark, your asylum is my revenge. And <laughs> Julian's just going to bow out here for a minute because he doesn't want to hear it again. But um, four singles off revenge, really five with God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Um, which came out, you know, obviously before that. Um, Unholy, I Just Wanna, Domino, and Every Time I Look at You. Five videos for all five of those songs as well. Um, I remember the first time I saw Unholy on MTV. Um, I was 82, so I was in between 7th and 8th grade. And, I, well, I guess I was in between, it was spring, it was, it was the spring, I guess, because Revenge came out in May. Um, and I saw that, and I was just turned me from Kiss fan to Kiss fanboy with when Unholy came out. And couldn't, you know, I had to go out and get the record. Just, and I loved every song on it. Um, I just want to say what you want about that song. They played it during they played it during the reception of my wedding. I love that song so much. So. <laughs> um Domino, cool gene track. You know, if it was me, um, I would have switched Domino to be the second single, and I just want it to be the third single. Because uh, Gene's songs are really, really strong on this album, and I think that would have resonated better for the reception of the album. But as much as I like Paul Stanley, and as much as it took Paul Stanley to say, okay, Gene, you can have the first single off the new album, um, I don't think Paul was willing to have Gene, was willing to let Gene have the first and the second single off the, off the new album. Um, so I think that's why we get I Just Want as a second single. And every time I look at you, um, you guys, Mark, you said that Forever is probably your favorite Kiss ballad. Every time I look at you is my favorite Kiss ballad by far. It's incredible. And MTV Unplugged version of it is even better, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Every time I look at you, MTV Unplugged is just perfection to me. That's a single off off of MTV Unplugged, so we'll get that in a minute. But um, I have no problem. I'm I'm not going to be much of a critic off of these because I I have no problem with any of these singles. Um, I I can't say anything negative about the album, so. I'm going to start, stop talking, so, because I'm just going to sit here and praise revenge if I keep talking, so let's just throw it out to someone who's not going to agree with everything I'm going to have to say, unless, Julian, what do you have to say about the singles off revenge? I agree with you. Uh, About every time I look at you. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that gets in, you know, that is one of the finest Kiss ballads, so um, obviously it didn't do Sawed All. Um, I don't think it was even a proper single. Um, in most markets, so unholy, yeah, it was time for Gene to have an A side. The rehabilitation of Gene Klein is completed in 1992, and Bob Ezrin tells Paul Stanley, "You will release a Gene song." So you know, whatever. Um, I don't happen to like it, but I, I see the reason for it. It makes sense. Um, uh, it, it's just not very good. Um, I, I think I just wanna is crap. 
as a single. I mean, come on, summertime. And rather than doing the ripoff of summertime blues, they should have just done take it off, um, which would have been a better summer song to kind of pimp. Um, it's like crazy nights again. So it, it's a good summer song. I think it could have had more traction. Again, I'm not a fan of the album. You know, I like stuff like Heart of Chrome on the album. So that sums it all up for a lot of people that says, okay, you've got no fucking credibility whatsoever because you like that song. Um, you know, and that's fine. Domino, I would never release as a single, but I kind of see, you know, oh, well, this is just like Christine 16, only younger. Um, so n not, not a good choice. So God gave rock and roll to you too. Great song. Obviously that's the, the 91 single. Um, can't fault that. Can't fall every time I look at you. Understand unholy. Can't really change much. So, you know, take it off instead of I just want to. And I'll just settle for the rest. Mark, what about you for, uh, for Revenge? Well, um, Revenge is actually kind of an interesting album for me. Um, I remember the introduction of it, like when I first heard it. I was uh, starting a band up and the guy was playing second guitar with me. I went over to his house to go over some songs, and he said, okay, before we start, i got to let you hear something. He turned on his CD player, and he goes, what do you think this is? And he started, and all of a sudden, the groaning of the guitars coming from Unholy starts up, and it starts up, and I'm listening to it, and I go, it really sound, sounds like Gene Simmons. And he goes, is this Kiss? He goes, yeah, man, this is a new Kiss album. And I thought, like, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, like, the... the I think with this record, what was interesting is that everybody that I know had the same first reaction to when they heard this. They go, holy shit, this thing is really heavy. Like, they thought it was unbelievable. Like, my drummer loathes Kiss. He can't stand them. He thought Peter Chris was, like, the worst drummer on the face of the earth. He, he, he thought that he could have drummed better than with one arm tied behind his back. Right? Like, he, he hated Peter Chris and anything to do with Kiss. But when he heard that record, he was like wow, this is really good. Like, he loved Eric Singer's drumming. He thought everything was great about it. He actually thought that for once they actually, you know, had some more modern-sounding guitar sounds finally. And everybody that I know loved it on first listen. It's what happened after you started listening to it the third and fourth and fifth time that I noticed was interesting, that people started really analyzing it and going, well, you know, this fifth song is really stupid, actually. And, you know, Domino, that's, this isn't really that hot you know it's just if it, you know it just sounds heavy if it, if it had a you know if it wasn't produced as well it would be garbage you know and that's when i started noticing people's take on it it's like the first reaction to it was thumbs up everybody loved it but then as soon as they started listening to it more and more it started going downhill in everybody's mind for some reason now for, for me i like unholy i do like uh god gave rock and roll to you and I don't mind every time I look at you. I mean, it's not their worst ballad. I think it's pretty good. I do agree it's a hundred million times better on MTV Unplugged. That's for, that's for certain. But, um, you know, the, the one thing I will say is that the Gene songs on this album are better than prior. I think Paralyze is pretty good, and even Thou Shalt Not is not too bad. But, um, you know, as far as the singles go, I do agree that I would have I would have put take it off on there for sure instead of domino i mean unholy is the strong gene song in my opinion and i think they should have put take it off on there for paul you know goggy rock and roll to you is a good one because it has both of them singing so no one can really bicker in that one right 
that's kind of like both of their single. And, you know, and you want to have the the ballad in there so you have every time I look at you. But, you know, I just want it. I never really liked that song to begin with. I mean, whether it's a single or not, I could care less. So, but I think that what they had out for singles were good. And I think Bob Ezrin did a good job on producing it. But, you know, to me, honestly, I think everything that Bob Ezrin touched with Kiss is really overrated. I think Destroyer's overrated. I think this record was overrated. Elder's definitely overrated. You know, I mean, you know, Bob Ezrin did good stuff with Pink Floyd, but he didn't do too hot shit with Kiss, in my opinion. So, But he's Canadian. Yeah. I think I'm losing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We've, we've we've lost reception. What's that? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, and I really like Bob Ezrin. He's a nice guy. I mean, he's you know he, he runs a music school up in Vancouver, uh, Nimbus, I think it's called. Yeah, Nimbus. And, uh, he, with Garth Richardson, uh, my singer in the band actually was going to school there, so we got to meet Garth and Bob and them. They're, they're great guys, but I mean, you know, I I, I think Bob did much better work with other bands than with Kiss. That's just my opinion. I mean, sure, you can egg me all you want about that, but I think he did I think he did better stuff with Floyd. I think he did better stuff with Alice Cooper, for sure, and, you know. Yeah, so maybe maybe Kiss are a little bit Ezra and Sloppy Leftovers, you know, because obviously he'd done Big Cooper albums before he did Destroyer. Obviously he'd done The Wall before... You know, he did The Elder, and what had he done in the early 90s before Revenge? I mean, is Kiss just like the uh, second helpings? Yeah, possibly. Sorry. I mean, who, who knows, right? I mean, it just seems ironic, though, that every time he was involved with Kiss, he seemed to be favoring a white powder of some sort. Because, I mean, Destroyer, there was, you know, that story about the, you know, the, the mirror on the mixing board. Elder, it's pretty well known that he was, you know, neck deep in many things. Then he wasn't even showing up at the recording sessions. But you know, maybe for this record, he he's probably kept it, you know, kept it clean. But and consequently, it's my favorite production of the three records that he did. Well, what's give, what's the common that. denominator there? Gene and Paul. Maybe they yeah. cause white powder issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm agreeing with you, Mark. If you're dissing albums that contain unholy, and God gave rock and roll to you, and Detroit Rock City, and and spit and the I'm bigger wrong. the cushion, the harder the pushing. Come on, really? Like Should have been a single, man. Should have <laughs> been right, a single. Shot. Enough out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, what do you think about it? Well, I'm gonna drink the Lonnie Kool Aid. Nice. I'm gonna. Agree pretty much with Lonnie um, to the degree that even um, I would have put Domino as number two. That was on my, that's what I wrote down. So it's one of their, to me, it's, it's even uh, that and Look It Up are my favorite two uh, non, you know, unmasked, uh, non-makeup albums. So those kind of kind of run hand in hand for me. Um, so... The other one, I would have put, you know, I just want to, actually, I would have really maybe replaced with God Gave Rock and Roll to You, even though I think they, it may have been released as part of the soundtrack of um, Bill and Ted's movie. I still think it was a good enough song to try to, you know, 
said, you know, over the, as Spinal Tap says, over the cliff. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I agree with you, Lonnie. Pretty much, you know, right on. I'm good with it. I think Bob Ezrin, um, you know, I guess his flavors change, and not also in drugs, but maybe <laughs> in, in producing styles. But, you know, maybe, hey, maybe he'll produce the next Kiss album because he just produced, you know, a Deep Purple album, right, recently. So maybe his Kiss is going to, you know, end it with uh, Bob Ezrin. We can, only, uh, Julian Mark, wouldn't that be great? we can only hope, right? Hey, I, you know, if he if they finish their career with uh, Ezra or Kramer, all will yeah. be good. Kramer. Please, Kramer, please. Just, please. just <laughs> at this point for me, and you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Paul fanboy. Anyone but Paul producing, um, you know, whether it's Bob Rock, I, I don't give a shit. You know, if I had to go for two of the old ones, Kramer or Ezra, fine. Um, just give them control and no excuses. You know, don't don't yeah don't don't do unto That's, them as they did to Fairburn so yeah. you know saying he had control yeah right bullshit um but sorry off topic tangent I'll shut up and drink <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the production later on um so Alive three you get two singles off there I love it loud in Detroit Rock City um that's fine I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, I love it loud. Um, obviously, wasn't on either of the other two live albums. You know, they have a cool live version of that release as a single. That's cool to me. And Detroit Rock City, um, I, I get that too as a single. I mean, it's one of their biggest hits. Uh, we could throw that out there as a single off the live album. We could try to get people to go pick up a new live album. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about the singles off of Live Three? I really don't have an issue with them, or you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion either way with single with with singles off a of live album in general. I don't have a strong opinion really either way with them. So, Julian, what do you think about that? I don't think the singles really mattered for the live album. I, I think in, in terms of getting the promotional product out there, I love it loud made sense. Again, it's a Gene single, so um, it resonated well live in concert. Um, Detroit Rock City, you know, that's just kind of a, you know, we've got nothing better to think about, you know, just throw out the old anthem again. You know, if I want to overthink it, I'd say, well, why didn't they do the live version of Creatures of the Night or Deuce? Um, you know, something with a little bit more balls, um, you know, either of those first two tracks, you know, uh, uh, but, it, you know, th there's no point. A live three, blah. Yeah, I'm a fan. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I agree pretty much with uh, Julian. I mean, when it comes to live records, I mean, it, it's just, you know, I think they just pretty much just throw all the names in a hat and pick out two, and these are the ones that are going to be picked. Because, I mean, it's songs that you already know if you're the fan of the band. I mean, it's nothing new. It's just a live version of the song, right? I mean, uh, I, I Love It Loud is a good song. I mean, so is Detroit Rock City. They're both strong uh, live songs for them, so I mean, I guess it makes sense to select them. But like you said, you could have picked, you know, you could have even picked Heaven's on Fire live, or you could have picked, you know, Creatures of the Night live, you know, those are strong as well. I mean, anything you could have picked off it, I think, would have justified as singles. I mean, the, the, the one thing I remember mostly about the Alive 3 era is going to the HMV here in my town and seeing there was a huge poster 
promoting a crystallizer with gene you know blowing fire and i remember that was like the big thing i mean me and my friends went and got the posters and brought them home and i mean i think that did more for getting alive three into our brain as far as going out and buying it than any single did to be honest so you know like i said i i, I think any single could have could have been selected for that moment live, live albums i think are sort of like that it's just you know you can't really go wrong they're, I mean, it's it's a live album composed of, of, of good songs anyway. So you're, you're, I mean, we if we if they chose two other singles off there, I think we'd be sitting here having the same discussion. Well, it really doesn't matter that uh, they could have used Detroit Rock City if they wanted to. Ken, what do you think? I would have picked Creatures of the Night as the single. I, we talked about Creatures back when we were going over that album a lot of you i think you guys were saying that creatures of the night should have been released as a single so there's the opportunity there to do it and it's a good version of it uh, live um that would be as far as i would go with singles off of that really you could do star spangled banner off of it. i don't know <laughs> you know so uh, um yeah creatures of the night for me sure yeah all right, so MTV Unplugged, another live album. Um, two singles off of that one as well, Every Time I Look at You and Rock and Roll All Night. Um, we sung praises to Every Time I Look at You off of MTV Unplugged um, a little bit ago. So obviously I see why that was chosen as a single. It's fantastic on that album. It's just absolutely amazing. And Rock and Roll All Night as a single. Well, the wheels are spinning. You have... Ace and Peter trading off vocals on the second verse. Um, so I, there's definitely reasons why that was chosen to be a single as well. So what else is there? I mean, MTV Unplugged is one of my favorite Kiss albums from, from their catalog. And just up and down, start to finish, it's, it's great. From, from coming home to sure know something to do, love me, just... See the night, world without heroes. Everything on there is is, is great. It's just, they were really rehearsed, and what they what they brought out on that album is just fantastic to me. Um, but the two singles off there, I totally agree with. Also, did they do any, did they do a whole lot? No, not really. But why they were chosen as singles, I can totally understand why. So, Julian, what about you? Yeah, I don't even think they need every time I look at you. Rock and Roll All Night went to 13 on the mainstream rock. None of this shit's getting played on the radio by this time anyway. It's all, you know, there's no programming left. They're told what to play, you know. So the, the, the days of a single actually having any purpose is pretty much gone. Um, yeah, every time I look at you is absolutely stunning on this album. But how many people actually heard it on the radio? You know, heard rock and roll all night. I'm rock and roll all night. We heard. I, I remember hearing that I never heard as well. So I never heard every time I look at you. So therefore, it's it, it's a moot point early to me. I mean, it, on that album, if you want to go with the two power ballads, it's I Still Love You or that, and they're both absolutely killer performances. But no one would have fucking cared. So as long as rock and roll all night's there for you know uh, with the with Peter and Ace, uh, you know, purpose is served. Ken, what about you? Yeah, every time I look at you is a is a much better version on the uh, unplugged. Um, great song. I, have, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, the only alternative, I, I, you know, Rock and Roll Night. We've done it already a couple times. I would have went with something like, I mean, I love Glowing Blind off of Unplugged. 
and even yeah. see you tonight works. Yeah. Um, so, uh, gee, I would have went with all those two as the second one. Rock and roll night. I I didn't need it as another single. <coughs> under, under, totally understandable too. <laughs> Mark, what about you? Well, I think uh, Julian hit the nail on the head there because I mean, there's many songs besides every time I look at you. And don't get me wrong, I think. Like you guys said, I think it's the greatest version of that song that you'll hear is on that album. But of course, there's other great songs on there, too. I mean, I really liked Got to Choose. I think, you know, um, See You Tonight, like you said, was really good. There's a lot of songs on there. But, you know, what was going to happen, you knew the minute you saw the track listing, everyone was looking at it going, this, this, oh, rock and roll night? Okay, that's, you know that was going to be the thing, what they're going to pick. I mean, it's just... DJ mentality is let's just go to the familiar and that's it, right? And I mean, really, they're going to play that anyways because as soon as they find out that the original guys are on there as well, Ace and Peter, well, boom, that's it's a no-brainer now. You know, why would we put some of the other songs that were vastly better played and, you know, that sound better when we can just play rock and roll all night for the 900 millionth time on radio, except this time it's, you know, live, you know, from an unplugged session, right? So, I mean... I don't want to sound bitter about the selection, but, you know, really, do we need another version of Rock and Roll Night? Like, come on, man. How many times are you going to release this song? Give me a break. So, um, but I understand why they did it, you know. you got to think business and think of, you know, what's going to sell and push the record. And, of course, that's going to do it, right? So, there you go. Yeah. You mean, you got Ace and Peter singing on there, and you got the reunion wheels guy. So, totally... Yeah get why they did it. All right, so we move on a couple years now, really, to Carnival of Souls 97, which didn't get a whole lot of promotion. Um, And they just kind of put it out to put it out because it was circulating so heavily in the bootleg circuit, so just so they could reap a little bit of money off of it. Um, Two singles off Carnival Souls, Jungle and Master of Slave. Um... I remember hearing Jungle on the radio when it was released. Um, I don't think I ever heard Carn- I don't think I ever heard Master and Slave on the radio. Um, but Jungle, good song. Um, Julian said he liked it better when Deep Purple recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, it's a good song, and it's. Um, you know, it, it's one of the better ones off, off of Carnival of Souls. If I was to choose, and I and I really liked Master and Slave, especially when I first heard it and when I got Carnival of Souls on the bootleg, I was really digging Master and Slave at the time. Um, but for me, I, I don't think I would have went with it as a single. I mean, I, I guess I would have went with Hate as a single because I, I really enjoy that one also. But... Um, I don't. I really don't think it would have mattered much because of the lack of promotion for the album. That I don't. I don't think a second single off of Carnival of Souls was going to do anything, no matter no matter what the second single was off of there. Um, I mean, the bands in the studio were trying to get into the studio to do Psycho Circus at this point, and they're just putting it out there just for the sake of putting it out there. But um, Jungle, good song. I would have went with Hate for my second one. Uh, Mark, what about you? actually a record I kind of actually like I mean um, but to quote Paul Stanley on a different Kiss record this is a really good record 
but not a really good Kiss record. Um, to, to me, this sounds very much like they were obviously following trends at that point. Again, you know, they wanted to be, you know, Allison Chains or whoever at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I actually like this record after it's all said and done. I mean, I actually do listen to this record quite a bit in my car. And uh, I really like Hate. I like, I do like Master and Slave. I mean, this is one of the rare records I can honestly say that I think Gene actually put some thinking behind his songs for once. I mean, but the problem is they just don't really sound like Kiss songs to me. They just sound like, you know, their attempt at doing something heavier and grungier, you know. There's no party element or happy-go-lucky rock and roll to it at this point. You know, now it's just, you know, they, they want to try to pretend that they're bitter and upset at the world when... You know, it's kind of hard to believe that when you have, you know, as much money as they do, right? So, um, but it's, you know, the, the, as far as the singles go, I think that, you know, we just kind of touched on, you know, the fact that, you know, The Jungle jungle was the single. It's a good song. Probably didn't do anything. The fact that they even released a second single is a total surprise to me because I thought that, you know, as little as, little attention they put to it, why did they even bother with another single? I mean... You know, the only way to the only way it would have probably got any traction is if they, if they if this lineup would have did a version of maybe they, maybe they would have did rock and roll night on this maybe they would have played that you know the you know the Carnival of Souls version of rock and roll yeah so uh, but um you know I I like the record but you knew it wasn't going to go anywhere as soon as the the reunion started this was just you know just to shut the fans up and give them an official release of it and that's about it. Absolutely. Totally agree. Ken, what about you? I agree with Jungle and yeah, why another single? But I would have went with uh, I Will Be There as a second single just to show a different side of things there. And I, I really like that song. But uh, yeah, there's there's no promotion on this thing. They're, they're not promoting it. So why, why waste money putting, you know, yeah. plastic out? Yeah, you talk about promotion off that album. I mean, I remember when it, the day it came out, I went to the Best Buy to get it, and it wasn't even out on the shelf. I had to go to another music store to, to try to track it down and find it. There was such little promotion and such little hype for that album. So. Julian, what about you for Carnival Souls? Jungle. Great choice, actually. Uh, you know, it, it was a bit of a minor radio hit, getting to number eight on the uh, mainstream rock chart. So um, they, they hit the nail on the head with that one. I, I just don't think, as a throwaway album, just getting it out there, that they should have bothered bothered with the second album. Uh, I mean, sorry, the second single, "Master and Slave," great song, radio friendly, no. So why bother? Just put out "Jungle," forget the second single, move on. Um, you know, it was already in the I think January '98 when um, "Master and Slave" actually started getting some airplay. So it, it was December; it comes out, doesn't do a thing, just pointless. Just move on, wait until Psycho Circus, have a, a little bit more downtime. Um, I, I can't think of anything that I'd replace it with either, other than just saying just one single from this one and be done with it. Two singles off Carnival of Souls, one off Asylum. Really kind of high. So Psycho Circus, you get two off of that. Title track, phenomenal choice. Best song on the album. I mean, I remember the first time I heard it on the radio. I was 
working at a golf course and I heard I was in the bag room and it came on and I just had to stop and listen to it. It was it was the reunion kiss song, you know, it was your first sampling of the album. I just had to listen to it. It was, it was amazing then and I and I and I really enjoy the song now to this day. It's it's a great it's a great track. Um you wanted the best as the follow-up single. I couldn't disagree more yeah. with that being the follow-up single. That is up there with uh, with "Read My Body" <laughs> as far Agreed. as the, as far as Kiss tracks in general go. It's it's a it's, I'm sorry, it's a pile of garbage. Um, second single off of Psycho Circus. I don't know. I would. I don't. I don't know. Psycho Circus, it's, it's, it's so bittersweet to me because I was so excited for the album to come out um, and to have a Kiss album featuring Gene Paul, Ace, and Peter. And before the album even came out, I was starting to hear stuff off websites like the Kiss FAQ message board talking about how it might not even be all four members on there. And I, um, it, it just, it, it just, pissed me off immediately, even before I bought it, because I, I, I was hearing rumors about it and I didn't want to believe it, but you know, if, there, if there's enough smoke, there's fire and, you know, come to find out it really wasn't. And when I, and when you listen to the album, I'm not a, you know, a big musician, but I guess I'm a little bit, but I'm not a, like a big musician that I know like, Oh, that's so-and-so playing on that. And that's so-and-so playing on that. But you can kind of, I, I could kind of, when I listened to it, I was like, you know what, that, that's not Peter Chris playing on all those tracks. So, Really just left a bad taste in my mouth. But for my second single off of Psycho Circus, because you got to have a second single to follow up that with the Kiss Reunion record, I guess I would have really went with a Pledge of Allegiance to the State of Rock and Roll. It's a good party anthem type Kiss song. Um, so that would have been my choice. Sorry, Gene, I would have gone with I would have went with two Paul songs. Julian, what about you? Yeah, Gene's material on this album really isn't single friendly. In fact, it's not ear-friendly, to be honest. Um, Psycho Circus is a good lead-off track. I mean, obviously, it's the album, it's the marketing campaign, it's everything about Kiss 98, so um, can't change that as much. As, you know, I was never a big fan of the song. It's grown on me in recent years, um, so it, it seems to have a little bit more legs, and it hit number one on the mainstream rock charts. So, um, obviously, we're not talking about the Billboard charts anymore because we're way into the, well, I guess where the old fogies live. Um, we're talking Spice Girls at this point, 1998. <laughs> <laughs> charts. So. Yeah. So, you know, the, the second single, You Wanted the Best, I mean, just... You know, if I if I have to have a second single off this to try and do anything, I I go with you know one of the Ace or Peter tracks because, um, you really know, you the Peter tracks? no, I'm saying the Ace or Peter tracks because you know they're back in the band. So Into the Void would be my second pick. I mean, I agree with you with I Pledge Allegiance. It's a good party song. Um, you know, it's very accessible. But I would have put the Ace song out there. Um, I know in Sweden they released I Finally Found My Way to You, which I, I guess it's got to be a Swedish thing. Uh, don't know, maybe, maybe someone can explain that to me. But, you know, you wanted the best? No. Within? No. Gene? No. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's not his, uh, his moment on this album, so uh, not a lot of choice on this one. I agree. Ken, what about you? 
Psycho Circus, great song from the first time I heard it. It's uh, fantastic. So that's perfect first single. Uh, I have to disagree with Julian about Gene. Uh, I, I think We Are One is, a, is another great song. And to me, it's it has a hook. It does have a hook to it. And it's not a typical Kiss-sounding song. Uh, I think it's a great, a great, great song. I also like uh, Journey of a Thousand Years, but that, that would not be a single. But I love that song. Um, uh, so I'm going to go with Psycho Circus, No Brainer, of course. And uh, We Are One as the second one. I don't know what the heck they were thinking with You Wanted the Best. Um, if You Wanted the Best, well, why did that. you release that? That's not the best. You're shit out of luck. I wanted the best. I didn't want You Wanted the Best. But anyway. Mark, what about you for Psycho Circus? Well, um, again, this is one of these uh, records where I was really, really excited. I mean, I... The reunion tour was the first time I saw the band in makeup. So I was, you know, I was neck deep in the, you know, the excitement with it. I went and saw the shows a couple times and I was getting excited to see, to hear this. And I remember I went out and bought the record and I was with some of my bandmates in the car and we're listening to it. And I'll never forget this. My drummer, Jerry, sitting in the back and he hasn't said nothing for the first five, six songs. I'm looking in the rearview mirror and going, hey, what's up, dude? What, like, what's what's going on? And he looked at me and he smirked. He goes, dude, he goes, I'll eat my running shoes if this is Peter Chris drumming on this thing. I go, and I didn't believe him. I go, what are you talking about? I go, you know, there was four guys. He goes, dude, he goes, Peter Chris can't do these fills. Like my, my, my drummer at that time, he's one of these really like in-depth, knowledgeable drummer guys. He like loves Mike Portnoy and all these guys. So he's like really studied on it. And he was just, he was just picking it apart, saying, this is not Peter and Chris. So that was one of the first strikes to me on the record when I was like, okay, so they're already lying to us that there's not the original members on this. But, you know, getting back to the songs themselves, Psycho Circus, I think, is a great song. Whether Peter and Chris drummed on it or not, which I'm pretty sure he didn't, obviously. Did not. Um, and so, and uh, it's, but it's still, it's a great song. I, I love that song. It's, you know, they're updated version of a Detroit Rock City, right? Um, I think it's a great single. Um, I, I'm with you guys with saying I have no clue what was going through their head, but you wanted the best. That song is just hideous, utter garbage. I, I don't understand. It, it just it just stinks of, like, like crud to me. Like, this, this song, I don't know what they're trying to tell us, like that we're all buddies here and we, we you know, we're, they're trying to make this image like they're all, you know, in a circle holding hands and singing and happiness. We're so back funny. together again and we're so happy about it. It's just, come on, like, I didn't buy that for a minute. I knew they were probably, you know, smirking at each other and, you know, just talking behind each other's back. They weren't, they weren't, you know, in any kind of unison at this point. So, but I, I would have put anything else but that song there, I would have probably stuck I Pledge Allegiance. That's a really good song. I really like that song. I think that would have done a hell of a lot better than You Wanted the Best. I don't know why they picked that, like I said. But the one thing I'm kind of confused about is for some reason on uh, Wikipedia, it says there that the singles from this album are Psycho Circus, We Are One, I Finally Found My Way, and You Wanted the Best. Now, I understand now what the I Finally Found My Way is. You explain that that's from Sweden. 
So where was you? We are one released as a single. Europe so, and Australia. Oh, okay. So that explains that. You got it right. Yeah. Was I right? I don't know. Well, but he got it right. I said, I said Europe got it right. Oh, but yeah, I mean. I think Psycho Circus is a is a home run, and you wanted the best certainly isn't. And don't forget when Mike when Mike ran uh, Kiss Online, he did a giveaway of uh, what was supposed to be the second single, because they'd done an acetate of Within, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Within as the second single. Really? Fucking stick a fork in my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember listening to the. Dodger Stadium show was on the was like broadcast on the radio, and I was listening to it. Julian, obviously, you were there, and they went into it within. I couldn't believe they were even. I mean, I knew they were going to play some songs off, off the new album, but I couldn't believe they were even going to they were even going to play that. It just didn't resonate with me at all. Why? You had I don't. Know, there's other choices you could play, even even off Psycho Circus and within to play and play that lot. Yeah, I I think they could have done Read My Body instead of Within. <laughs> Read my body reference tonight. Yep. Oh. <laughs> I, I guess we're using that as the insult tonight. <laughs> All right. So we wait nine or eleven years. And it... We forgot one. Oh, we talked about that last week. Holy <laughs> shit! You know, off off that list, I did just want to interject with that that I left off the Detroit Rock City. Um, Soundtrack. So, yeah. please continue to Sonic Boom. Yeah, we're just, we're just going to skip over that. We, yeah. we talked about how much we hated that last week. So. <laughs> um, Sonic Boom, um, 2009, we get three singles off of that. Modern Day Delilah, Say Yeah, and Never Enough. Um, Modern Day Delilah, great song. Um, great way to um, show the band back studio uh, great song I absolutely love it say yeah I love that that's a great song in my opinion I like Sonic Boom a whole, whole lot and I like it more than I like Monster and I know a lot of people out there like Monster more than they like Sonic Boom but I, for me Sonic Boom is, is much better than Monster um, Modern Day Delilah say yeah I agree with that and Never Enough as the third single I remember hearing Modern Day Delilah and Say Yeah on the radio here. I don't think I ever heard Never Enough on the radio. Well, um, you did. It was just well, a... Well, it, I heard nothing but a good time. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He, he um, probably didn't want to get sued again like he had with Dreamin'. Right, we already, we already, went, already went down that road before, so... Um, I wouldn't have chosen Never Enough as a third single. I would have chosen the Gene track. Yeah. Uh, I definitely would have, and, and for me, it would have been, um, Yes, I Know, uh, would have been my ch- choice as a Gene song. Personally, that's I, I really like Modern Day Delilah and Say Yeah, uh, but Yes, I Know is probably my favorite song off that album. Uh, I think it has the most 70s type of vibe to it, and that's really what they were going for with, with Sonic Boom, was to try to create an album that could stand up to the original six, I think it was their was their intention more than anything, which is, you know, they always say the next album is the next Destroyer anyway, as compared to those classic albums, but um, Modern Day Delight, let's say, yeah, and instead of Never Enough, I would have went with the Gene song, and I would have went with Yes, I Know, um, and I really wish they would have tried that live, 
um, on the Sonic Boom tour instead of I'm an Animal, which yeah. to me, when they played I'm an Animal on that tour, it just kind of plunged along. And we're at the shows, and my brother's looking at me like, really? And I'm like, I know. Why are, they, why are you doing this? I mean... <laughs> Don't do this to me. You know, I <laughs> probably want to take a piss. <laughs> Beer break. <laughs> so... Um, those would be my three. Uh, Mark, what about you? Well, um, I remember again waiting for this record to come out and, uh, you know, hearing all the usual hoopla from Gene, the next destroyer, the next destroyer, you know, and, uh, when it came out, it was not the next destroyer, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the elder either. It was pretty good. I mean, they had better records, but they've had worse records, so. Uh, Modern Day Delilah, Delilah is a pretty strong first single, I think. Um, it's a good Paul song. Um, you know, it has all the strong elements of a single, you know, right there. And uh, you can't really say anything too much bad about this song, I don't think. I mean, they, they believe in it enough to open their shows with it, so it's got to be a pretty... Uh, strong song amongst the whole band in general, I would imagine. Um, Say Yeah is another one of those, you know, it's a catchy Paul song. I mean, at this point, Paul, I think, is writing to a formula, like a Paul Stanley kind of, you know, blueprint for what he thinks is a strong song for him. And Say Yeah definitely falls into that bracket, I think. You know, the kind of, you know, raw, raw, raw song. And, uh, you know, it's... It's not terrible. It's not fantastic either. I agree with everybody, though, that as far as the third single, I would have definitely given Gene a song, and I agree with, with uh, you know, what was said earlier about the fact that I would have also put, a, you know, Yes, I Know as the single, because I think that's Gene's strongest song on the record, in my opinion. And uh, I really I really dug that song. I, I remember when I was first listening to the record, and Gene's first song, Russian Roulette, came on. I was like, yeah, this is not bad. It's, you know, it's better than what he had on the last couple of records. And then when Yes, I Know came on, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it was, it, it stuck out. It was catchy. It was to the point. It was three minutes long. It was, a, you know, I think Gene finally went through his little black book and found something that was decent enough to rework and turned out to be a pretty good song. So I, I would have used that song for the, uh, you know the third single. I mean, I, I mean, I, I like the fact that they gave Eric and Tommy a song on the record, but I mean, they're really nondescript in my opinion. But that's just you know, you know, I could I could be wrong to the you know the kiss masses there, but I, I don't think they're anything to really talk about in my opinion. So, but yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Giving Eric and Tommy a song, but they're not going to release an Eric and Tommy lead song as, as a single off off of an album, not not off of these two albums or any albums in the future. It's, just, it's fine to be on them, but it's not, no matter how good you think the song is, they're not going to release one of those songs as a single. There's no way. Ken, what about you? I agree with Modern Day Delilah. Great song, best song on the album. Um, Say Yeah, perfect second single. Um, no, I'm part of the uh, other side of the Kiss Army, I guess from Mark um, um, I would have picked uh, I like All For The Glory um, I really like that song a lot um, actually I remember hearing that uh, them play that 
on ESPN. Yeah. Uh, for some football. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. And he actually worked with the actual clips of football. Um, so it was kind of, a, you know, one of those Paul Stanley written songs that are, you know, hey, it's an anthem in a way. So I like that song. That would have been my third single. Otherwise, the first two are, again, no-brainers. Julian, what about you? Yeah, I pretty much go with the consensus here. You know, modern day Delilah and say, yeah, perfect first choices. Third single is more of a challenge. Um, I would go with Stan. You know, it's a it's a Stanley Simmons composition. It's a little bit more epic. Um, you know, I wouldn't put any of the token material out, and that by by that I mean uh, the Eric and Tommy sung generic Spaceman and Catman bullshit songs. Um, <laughs> You know, you know, All for the Glory is a good song. Um, simple as that. So I agree with you, Ken, on that. And obviously it worked with the promotion. But I wouldn't put it out as a single. Stand is a, at least a little bit more, um, I guess, what you'd expect from Kiss. Um, not that I heard any of these freaking songs on radio in the Bay Area. You know, no. Simple as that. I, I don't recall hearing any one of these on the radio at all. Um you you might as well put one of the re-recorded classics out in the Bay Area for as much as it would have gotten played. You know, you, you'll, yeah, you'll you, you'll hear Steve Miller. You're not going to hear the new Kiss song. Simple as that. This area does not. SF Bay Area never played Kiss. I mean, hardly ever. You could find a Kiss song. Playing yeah, you, you might hear "Lick It Up" now and then, or "Calling Doctor Love." Those are the only two songs I can remember ever hearing on the Bone. Um, so, yeah. You know, I stopped listening to the bone. I've got all the songs I want on my car, so fuck radio. There you Sing- go. Singles, <laughs> singles don't matter. No, not at this point. Well, we got one more to go, and that's Monster. And we get two singles off of there: Hello, Hallelujah, and Long Way Down. Um, I'm not as big a fan of of Monster as I am Sonic Boom. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I know that surprises a lot of people. A lot of people like Monster a lot more than they like Sonic. But it, um, I don't know, it just didn't do do it for me as much as the other one did. Um, Hell or Hallelujah, still play it, and they still play it. Um, they played it um, in '12 when they toured with Motley before the album came out, and they still play it. Play it now live. Um, they won't let it, it. doesn't go away. It's it's a fine song to me. Um. My wife's commenting in the background. She doesn't like the song. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's fine. And Long Way Down, it's... I like that a little better, I think, than Heller Hallelujah. Um, I would have gone with, with a Gene song. Um, I would have gone with Wall of Sound as a single off, off of this album. And I, and I think that... The album could have been, and I think I, maybe I would like the album a lot more if it had like a different track list. And maybe the album like started off with wall sound, and like you hear those guitar screeches just to start off the album. And it, I think it might have hooked you in a lot more to the album, and especially in in today's in today's world with with how we listen to music and how if you would have started off the album with that. I think it, it might have generated a, a different vibe and a different feeling to the album, and maybe even call the album "Wall of Sound" 
because there's no reason to call it monster. There's no tie-in. I mean, they didn't even you start using that spider stage till till thirteen. They didn't. It wasn't tied into the to that really tour at all, even with Mountain Crew and that. I know, I know people are going to correct me. Well, they toured with Mountain Crew before the album came out. I know that, but. I, I would have called the album Wall of Sound, and I would have had Wall of Sound be the lead single and the first song on the album. And I think they could have made the album a whole lot different, in my opinion. So my two songs would be Wall of Sound and Long Way Down. Julian, what about you? You know, I, I'm maybe it's the elephant in the room. Um, I would not have released a Paul song as a single for this album with his uh, vocal challenges. I, I, I hear them in the studio on this album. I love Long Way Down as a song. I think it's one of the best songs he's written in many years. Um, Hell or Hallelujah, you know, it's just a throwaway. You know, if you can't say it, don't sing it. Um, and don't release it. So n that song didn't do much for me. I would have gone with Gene, and I agree, Wall of Sound. Um, if any song was really worthy of, you know, putting out as a single, that's not going to be heard by anyone. Wall of Sound is it, you know, because again, I didn't hear any of these songs on the radio. Um, so, you know, as I really said with the other album, it's become irrelevant at this point to even be putting singles out, um, unless you're Ace, in which case... You know, give me a feeling. Got a little bit of traction well in advance of the album coming out. Hello, Hallelujah was obviously out uh, for the tour with uh -huh. Motley Crue, so it, it it was just something to play. Motley had sex, Kiss had that, but you know, I, I really think we would have been better served, or the album would have been better served with a Gene song. Um, you know, it's what twenty something years since Revenge. Give him the lead off track. And you know, kind of mask some of the uh, the Paul challenges. Absolutely. You know, they play. I went on the second Kiss cruise when they played a lot of the songs off of Monster, and they played Wall of Sound um, on the on those electric shows, and it really sounded cool live. And you know, they played it. I think maybe the first night or two of the South American tour, and dropped a lot of those songs pretty quickly after that. Um, Ken, what about you? What do you think for Monster? When you said to change the track listing, you know, it makes sense to me. Um, but I thought you were going to say you're going to change the track listing and put, uh, start off with Unholy on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, it's a unholy. Re revenge. We'll just put all the revenge songs on Monster. So <laughs> um, I do agree with you that uh, I like Sonic Boom better than uh, Monster, too. A little bit better. Not a whole lot, but it's better better production than a monster that you know monsters stonewall so uh i would have not released uh hello hallelujah as the first single like julian said it can't say it drinking too Why? i i at least have an excuse <laughs> i should be <laughs> i should be drinking something but uh i would have went with uh, i thought they should have maybe taken a chance a uh, little gamble on this one and I would have put out Freak as a, as the first single. Uh, it's it's so different, but it's you know it's a good song. It's a good song. Uh, I do agree with Julian that Long Way Down is also another good song too. Um, the Gene songs. Well, I'm a big you know I'm a 
big Jean fan when he's on his on his game, but I don't. I still don't think those are up to par. I mean, I do like Wall Sound, and you know, Back to the Stone Age is pretty good too. Uh, but I, I think he can do better than that. I really think he can write better stuff than what he's writing there. Uh, so for me, Freak would have been my leadoff thing as a as a kind of a a gamble. Say, hey, look, you know, I can do some other stuff here a different a little bit different style um and see what see if it gets any traction just imagine if they'd had lady gaga do freak with them that was the rumor i mean it just, probably would have wow talk about a crossover that would have actually mattered yeah. you know you know it really would have mattered it would have, it would have gotten a lot of attention yep. out about it. yeah insane but instead, they, they went with the uh, Japan thing now. So. Mama Claw. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are days away from a Scooby-Doo song, so hold your thoughts on that. Days away? Cross really? Your fingers. Okay. Yeah. Mark, what about you for months? Well, um, this might be surprising to many of the Kiss people out there, but this is the one Kiss record I have never gotten through completely yet. Oh. I've always listened to this record with the full intention of listening to it from beginning to end, and I put it on, and I've never gotten further than Shout Mercy. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about this record, but I just can't get past it. I mean, so sometimes it's just something happens, like I get a phone call, and I'll pause it, and I'll never bring it back to putting it back on again. Or, or sometimes I'll actually literally sit down and listen to it and I'll just, the, the mood will just leave me by that song for some reason. I, I just, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think Hell or Hallelujah is a pretty decent song. I personally like Back to the Stone Age better than I like Wall of Sound. And for for whatever reason, Freak does nothing for me. I don't know why that is, but it it just doesn't do anything for me. And Shout Mercy, it just... I don't know, but for some reason, my mind just checks out at that point, and I just don't listen to the rest of it. I mean, I'm you know, tomorrow, kiss people. Tomorrow, I'm pulling out the album again, putting it in my car, because I know I'm going to probably have to do like a 35-minute drive, so I have full intention to get through more of it tomorrow than I ever have. But I've never listened to this record past song five. I mean, so if, as far as me picking singles off it, all I can really say is, Hell or Hallelujah is probably a decent first single, and if I was to pick a different one, I would probably just pick Back to the Stone Age. It's the one Gene song that I like out of the five songs that I've listened to from this record. Hmm. Yeah. Um, if One song I forgot about, and one song I really like on that album, actually, it's probably my favorite song on the maybe, maybe my favorite song on the album outside of Wall of Sound, is, um, is the, the bonus track, Right Here, Right Now. Um, I really enjoyed that one, and I, I thought it should have really been not a bonus track. I thought it should have been included on the track. Yeah. I thought it should have been more included on the album. I really enjoyed that song. It's a, it's a good motivational song. I, I run to it quite a bit, actually. Yeah, it's way too good to be a B-side. You know, it's really good song. Agreed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a B-side. <laughs> Well, it's just it was just it was in iTunes. Yeah, it was on iTunes, and then it was included on the uh, the Japanese Japanese version Monster Tour edition. Or oh yeah, yeah, I saw that at the store. Along with uh, 
some live oh, tracks. Oh, just a funny side note, actually. You guys are talking about how you said you'd never hear any of these songs on the radio. But ironically, here in Toronto area, Heller Hallelujah was being played a lot. I remember there was a time when I turned on the radio and it was on almost every day for like a few weeks here in Toronto. Like they were playing a lot of that actually, especially around the time when the Motley Crue uh, his tour was coming around. They were playing that a lot here in Toronto. I don't know why they weren't doing it more in other spots, but in Canada here in Toronto, at least they were playing it a lot. Right. This is the Bay area, at least for Ken and myself. Um, Ken, you could probably describe it a little bit better than I. I could describe it better than you, though. Be careful. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> is, is, it is it really that bad in that area? Like, I mean, this is supposed to be like the Bay Area. You know, Metallica came from here. I mean, you guys just... Oh, yeah, Metallica, rock. but... I can't remember the last time I heard Metallica yeah. on the radio, apart from maybe Whiskey in a Freaking Jar. They'll play that on the bone, maybe, or something, which I don't listen to anymore. Yeah, come on, Stephen Seaweed throws a bone, man. Some real freaking rock. Really, eh? Well, that completes our singles discussion. Um, took us two long episodes to get through them all, but we finally did. Um, before we wrap things up, I want to give a quick shout-out to Resize the Coin for their episode they posted this week with... Yep. Bill Starkey. Um, I've met Bill a few times. Um, he's a super nice guy. He's a he's a big Rams fan, so him and I get along pretty good when uh, when we meet up, have a little discussion about how crappy our football team is. <laughs> and um, they they have, they have a, a long, it's a long episode with Bill, but it's a it's a great episode, and I encourage you guys to go out and listen to it. Um, they do a great job interviewing. You learn quite a bit of. Uh, of stuff on there that that I didn't that I didn't know, and I don't think a lot of fans um, know either. Some great inside stuff. Yeah, so I listened to that episode today, and you know what, Bill, Commander in Chief of the Kiss Army. I mean, holy shit, this is the 40th anniversary this year of you know Alive, the Kiss Army, and so many things that are the foundation of the band. So hearing the stories from Bill's mouth about having to go to like the Indie Expo or any of the expos he's gone to is really cool. So, you know, go check out that episode. It's, you know, another really good one. And I heard it today as well. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it guys. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I want you guys and everyone listening to have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. And Canada's day tomorrow. Yes. We'll see you guys next week. Um, real quick, too, if you are interested in participating on the show, be sure to leave us a, a private message or, or hit us up on the, on the FAQ message board. We're interested in, in hearing other voices, especially if you are a female who is on the FAQ message board. I don't know how many females are on the FAQ message board, but I would love to have a female perspective on the show. I think it would be very entertaining. So... For Julian, for Ken, for Mark, I am Lonnie Weishauer, STL Kiss on the FAQ message board. Thank you for listening to the FAQ podcast. You stay classy, Kiss Army. <laughs>